Well, for those of you I haven't met, my name is Bron Brown, and I direct student ministries here at Watermark. And I've had the privilege of being in student ministry the last 18 years. Uh, spent nine years with a ministry called K-Life and then came to Watermark in 01. And I, I just wanted to share a couple of wrap-up thoughts with you today. You know, times have changed. We've all seen that, right? We look at those statistics and we're probably overwhelmed. Anybody feel a little bit fearful for your kids as you watch that? I do. Makes you kind of want to move out in the country and churn your own butter and do that kind of stuff. But if you churn butter, that's not a personal attack. So... Um, <laughs> But that, that's the way I feel. I hear those stats. And I think about the way I, I was thinking through how times would change just funny things like when video games used to be Pong. Okay, did anybody play Pong? So sweet, wasn't it? I mean, you got those two dials. You're like, I can do this. Pong, pong, pong. And then if it was soccer, they'd have five lines, you know? And uh, so that was the way you changed sports. And then we went to Atari. You know, you had the joystick and one button. That's the thing. How many have played your kids in, in video games? And you may have been good at Atari, but now you play these games that have like six buttons and you need a degree and you got to read the manual and they kill you at your five-year-old whips you at video games. Been there. Um, but, you know, the time she I was thinking about, uh, I was laughing thinking about, and this is kind of, for some of you this may be a bad memory, but remember Headgear? Instead of like invisible braces and stuff today, you had that. That's abuse, uh, just for the record. And I was thinking about when we used to have typewriters, you know, and computers were just for typing. That was kind of a, a fun change. So, so times have changed drastically. And I, I really, sometimes I want to go, man, I really do. I want to hide my kids from this stuff. I just want to go get somewhere where they won't be influenced. But... What I thought about is that escapes have always been there. You think back to your days in high school and junior high, there was always ways that people would try to cope with life. They'd try to escape in different ways. And so I just want to remind us of that tonight, that we, uh, our kids, are looking for life. That's really what they're looking for. And they're going to try to find it in ways uh, through pornography, through our culture, through things that are going on, if we don't give them a more compelling story. So our job as parents and leaders is to model for our kids a life that runs hard after Christ. I want my kids, I I know they're going to hear a lot of messages, but I want them to look at my life and I want them to say, man, my daddy is running hard after Christ. And I look at his life and it's different. There's a lot of messages they're going to look at. They're going to hear a lot of stories. They're going to look at the lives of celebrities. They're going to look at the lives of athletes. They're going to look at the lives of friends. They're going to look all over the place. But the one place they're going to see up close, hopefully, is your life. And hopefully, my life. That our kids would look at us and go, man, when I look at your life, I think, Dad, you're not perfect. But you love Christ. You ask forgiveness when you mess up. You're pursuing the Lord and there's life there. I wanted to share a, a verse with you from Hebrews 13, 7 and 8. If we can pull the, those verses up. I love this, these verses. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That comforts me. I don't know about you guys. The culture's changing. Things are shifting. Things are getting crazy. But I go, man, Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, 
forever. And you know, when I read leaders, we, we share this verse with our student leaders. We talk about them being leaders, but the number one leader in the home is you as parents. And I'm my kids, the number one leader, me and my wife. We want to be leaders who speak the word of God to them. So I pray in your home that the word of God is talked about all the time. Romans 12 tells us that that will transform the mind, that they'll be no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, which they're going to get all kinds of things thrown at them that way. And so I'd ask you that. Is, is the Word of God part of what you talk about at your home? It should be. And then the second thing there that really struck me is it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And man, I, I wonder about us as parents. Are our kids getting enough time with us? Are they getting enough time? Do they kind of see us coming and going and they never really get to consider the outcome of our way of life because we're not hanging with them very much? And so there's two things that I think about with us as parents. They need to first see us running hard after Christ. And then secondly, they need to see that we care about them and that we're building relationships with them. We're going, man, if anybody... My kids get tired of me telling them. I tell them this all the time. Hey, you know, Cooper, you're my favorite eight-year-old in the whole world. There's no other eight-year-old I like nearly as much as you. Know, I'm the only eight-year-old you have, Dad. You know? But I love to tell him that. I want him to know that I love to be with him. I want Braden to know that. I want Easton to know that. And so I would ask you, you know, I think about this analogy. Our kids are like a castle. They're going to be all these messages thrown at their walls. And, and a lot of them are cruddy. You saw that tonight, right? Tons of messages. But the one that is going to be most compelling is the one when we lower the drawbridge of relationship with them, the things get inside the castle. I hope a lot of these pornography messages are thrown and they're hitting their walls and they're going, no, 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 not for me. Because I've seen in my mom and my dad, or I've seen in leaders at church, or I've seen in others, that life in Christ is where life is found. That's where the drawbridge of relationship goes down and you get inside to the heart. And so I'm asking myself, man, how am I doing as a parent? Am I spending time with my kids where they would feel the freedom to come talk to me about sex and the things they heard at school that day or, or whatever messages they're hearing? I want to be someone that they run to to talk about that. You guys remember the show that was mentioned tonight? VH1 had a show called Behind the Music. And I was thinking about the messages kids hear all the time. And every time you watch Behind the Music, it was some old band that... Uh, they were talking about Aerosmith or Motley Crue or all these. And it always had the same message. They said, then Motley Crue takes a big drunken stupor and takes a joy ride. And they almost did it all. Every story ended out the same. It was like they see, they see these stories in front of them where they go, man, it ends. There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. And so, man, my prayer for us as moms and dads and as leaders is that people would look at our life and go, these kids would look at our life and go, oh, man. I see a more compelling story. A life that follows Christ is a life worthy of imitation. And so parents, the first thing we can do is love Jesus. Run hard after him. Yield ourselves to his spirit and let the Lord use us in our homes. And so, because uh, I get overwhelmed, don't you? I get overwhelmed with all the things we need to do. And I think there's part of us that wants, because of fear, we want to control all the things. But there have been escapes, whether it was Playboy, now it's PlayStation, whatever it's been, they've always been there. Now, it may be more accessible today, but the message that we give them of, hey, this is where life is found. There isn't life over here. There's life in Christ. And so 
that was what I want you guys to hear. We've given you a, a handout for, at the start that I think are some great application things. Man, look over that. Uh, put that to use in your homes. But we wanted to make sure you heard the message tonight that there is no quick formula. There's no, if A plus B equals C, then my kid will be fine. He'll never struggle with pornography. He'll never struggle with you know, sexual sin or any of that kind of thing. So, man, use that uh, in your homes. I'm going to bring out Rick again and David Peniel. And David is our junior high director who played guitar for me earlier. And uh, we're going to answer some questions. And I don't know if we're having those brought up to us here. Great. Okay. These are some of the questions that were texted. These are the... David is... um, One thing I really appreciate about David and our student ministry, he is a technology guru guy. And I'm the guy that goes, hey, could you like um, print that out for me? Because I don't really know what I'm doing. And so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for David that he's younger than I am and he gets, I was a typewriter guy. So anyway, um, let's, let's uh, ask a few of these questions and then we're going to try to get to most of them. And we also um, put together a list of commonly asked questions. So here are some that we'll ask. The first one is, uh, when are kids mature enough to handle having a cell phone? And Rick, you want to take that one? David, you can add in. All righty. Uh, first of all, uh, you need to understand that cell phones today are, are little pocket computers. Uh, 12, 24 months from now, you won't be able to buy a cell phone in the United States that doesn't have camera capture capability and is Internet compatible. So you need to understand if you're buying a full-fledged iPhone, as an example, or a cell phone, that you're giving your kids much more than a communication device that they can call you for security and help and that kind of thing. So uh, there are phones that are available that can only dial six numbers, as an example. So uh, our suggestion for six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, even twelve-year-olds uh, what, what does a child that age need? Camera capture capability, internet capability. What you give that phone to your child for is for safety. So buy a phone that's got restricted capabilities, and there are some good phones like that available. And then as they get older, recognize that them having a cell phone is a privilege. It is not a right. We have a... Uh, we, I don't know how many of the booklets we've got. We've got a booklet called uh, Sex and Cell Phones. And uh, it's a tremendous resource. And if you get on iCare, you can get that. And it displays the capabilities of most of the phones manufactured by the five major manufacturing cell phone companies in the United States. And it gives parental guidelines and that kind of thing. And there's in there what we call a safe use agreement. And we believe if you're going to buy a cell phone for your child or even let them buy it, don't, don't let that be an excuse that they can buy and use a phone any way they want. Have that safe use agreement signed. I think Watermark's actually developed your own safe use agreement that I assume is going to be or is now available on your website. Have you and, those, and your kids sign that agreement, and that gives certain directions and rights in terms of how it's going to be used. As long as they follow those guidelines, they keep the cell phone. You have the password. They violate that agreement. Guess what happens to the cell phone? It becomes yours. So, uh, you know, that'd be, from my perspective, a general rule. Yeah. They're asking for an age. Uh, 
That's tough because I know 18-year-olds that aren't mature enough to have cell phones. <laughs> some of you guys aren't mature enough. How about enough. some 48-year-olds? <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. I, I say give them a phony and you know, those fake ones and just tell them it works. And Every number right. they dial calls you. <laughs> or 911. Yeah, I think, you know what he said, when they're mature enough to have conversations with you about how they're using their phone, and when they're mature enough to make an agreement like that, you mentioned filtering stuff earlier, right. when they're mature enough to accept the filters that you want to put on it, also there are things out there um, that you can monitor um, the activity of their phone. Uh, I wrote down some of these websites this afternoon. My Mobile Watchdog. I love the names of these things. MobileSpy.com. Um, but you can monitor every text message that's sent and received on that phone. So when they're mature enough to agree, uh, yeah, I will take this device and you will monitor what I'm doing and dialogue with me about it, uh, then I think they're mature enough to have the cell phone. Right um, but if they're saying, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sign an agreement. I don't want you to watch it. And you can't have it. Right. Um, and so it's really whenever you're mature enough, <laughs> when you're ready to have those conversations, when you're ready to see what their friends are texting them, the right. pictures that their friends are sending them, the requests that guys are sending to girls when they're 16 years old. When you're ready to read that and dialogue with it, then your kid's ready to have that capability. Right. Good. Okay, this next question is, uh, my daughter's from a premarital relationship. How do I direct her, tell the, uh, tell the truth, and not shame who she is and her start? Yeah. As usual in the Q&A time, we get uh, often, you know, uh, emotionally charged and personally challenging questions. And I'm, I'm, I saw that question before, and I'm, I'm thrilled to take a pass at it. Uh, in terms of discussions with your kids or your grandkids about sex, marriage, that kind of thing, uh, one principle is that we always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. The second principle is what we call progressive revelation. And that is, you don't say the same things to a 6-year-old or even a 10-year-old that you would to a 15-year-old. And certainly that you wouldn't say to a 20-year-old. Always truthful, but progressive revelation. You have a daughter that is, came from a premarital relationship, so she probably is going to get to the point someday where she knows how many years you've been married, and she's going to recognize that she's older than that. And she's going to begin to ask that question. Truth, progressive revelation. And, and I would say this, I think in terms of the real question here is, how do I share with my kids when they ask me, how did I do? How did mom do? Okay? Truth, progressive revelation. And the way I put it is this. If you didn't do well, and many of us didn't, okay, we need to share honestly with our kids about that issue. And the point is that that brokenness, that sin, gets brought into your current married relationship or divorced relationship, whatever it may be. And maybe you were never married. And in your conversations with your kids, your principle is you're trying to save them from what? That kind of pain. You want them to celebrate the full life in Jesus. Braun, that you were talking about, follow Christ in this way and you won't suffer the brokenness and pain that I had. And I think relative, part of the question was, how do I not shame her? Well, to me, uh, the answer is the same way with adopted children. 
who have oftentimes been abandoned by their natural parents and that kind of thing. And I think the way to address that is, you know, uh, I, I didn't bring you into the world either at all as an adopted child or the way I should have, but you are special in that you're chosen in my eyes. And what I did wrong doesn't bring any shame to you. It brings shame and brokenness. And it really, from a Christian perspective, we need to make the difference between shame and guilt. The Holy Spirit brings guilt unto repentance. The evil one brings shame. And there's an important distinction. We need to make sure our kids don't have any sense of guilt from what we did, and certainly no shame. So the truth, progressive revelation, I think those are good principles. I agree. I'd just add two things. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he won't turn from it. And you've got to trust that. You, regardless of what you've done, you train them the way they should go. And then trust that God says when they're older, they won't turn from it if you give them the right training no matter what you did. And the second thing is, is what you said at the end, Romans 3, 23 and 24, mm-hmm. right? We've all sinned. And it's a great chance to tell them the story of redemption in your life. And to go, here specifically is where I messed up and I fell short of God's glory. This isn't his plan for us. But... Verse 24, we often overlook, and we're justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And that's a great chance to show them what Bron said, a more compelling story. God's redemption in your life. And how their, their wonderful life is a part of that. And them going forward and not having premarital sex or a baby out of wedlock is a chance uh, you know, for God's redemption to shine even more. To say, look, because I made a mistake and I learned from it and I came to Christ, now you won't make the same mistake. You're part of God's story. You're, you're, you're the continuation of the re- work of redemption in my life. What a great opportunity to invite them in the story that we all have of brokenness and forgiveness and redemption. Yeah, I, I love the uh, opportunity for truth there. You know, just to share, hey, this is where mommy uh, made some mistakes. And God has made that good, even though there were some mistakes on, on, along the way. So an opportunity to, uh, and you're a trophy of God's grace. You are, you are special, and God, you're a gift to us. What a great opportunity. There's a question here that says, how do boys defend their purity in the locker room? And I, I want to take a, a stab at that a little bit. Um, in, in the locker room, man, that is going to, I just would prepare your sons uh, that that is going to be a place that they are going to get uh, razzed about their faith, especially in the area of purity. And I would even have some time to communicate back and forth. Hey, this is what could be said. How are you going to respond to that? You know, Todd's often said here, I'd love to go back and do some of those years over because this is what I'd say now, now that I know what I know. And, and I think that's really true. I can remember uh, both in high school and college, my stance uh, with being a virgin and deciding, hey, I was waiting for marriage. I used to get hazed big time for that. <laughs> And I just remember telling guys, man, th- th- hey, this is what I believe is God's best plan. And I'm, I'm excited about the day that I'll be able to have sex with my wife. But until then, it's not, right, not the right time. And oh boy, I was hazed about that. But I just learned to laugh that off a little bit and also learned that that was a chance for me to influence guys. And so you begin to build again a vision for them. And you have an opportunity to share with those guys. And, and you know, you begin to... Just a little bit of truth at a time there, and then as God opens more doors, you can share more specifics. You know, hey, this is why I don't. I challenge our students. I say, hey, when they ask you, your first thing is, I just don't think that's right. And they go, well, why don't you think it's right? 
Well, because I love Christ and I want to serve Him and the, His Word tells me that's not the best plan. So taking it a step further as they go and as they build relationships, a great opportunity. You know, Ephesians 5, the days are evil. Seize the opportunities. I tell uh, God, I said, man, take advantage of those opportunities to be salt and light in the middle there. You know, I, I would like to add one thought here, Braun, and that is uh, it's critically important for you as you talk to your kids and your grandkids about this issue. Uh, the goal is not for them simply to abstain from sexual intercourse. That, that, that's not the goal. The goal is purity and walking in Christ. So the, the first thing in, in talking to your kids about these issues, open, truthful communication. You're walking, if you love Jesus, and that's the first First thing you want. You want your kids and grandkids to love Christ and to be following Him. And part of the message is going to be, you know, there's a price to be paid for walking with Christ. And everybody's not going to appreciate that. So, holding on to your faith, understanding the stories that are going to be told, and the things that are going to be said in the locker room or in, in, on the bus or whatever, uh, to prepare your kids. But again, the goal is not just to abstain from sexual intercourse. It's purity. So a guy's got a Playboy magazine or something on his cell phone in the locker. Oh, come over here and let's look at this. Well, he's not, he or she is not looking or not engaging in sexual intercourse, but they're being invited to engage in behavior that's unhealthy and impure and doesn't honor Jesus. And that's got, that's got to be the thrust. Again, you said it as adults. The way what we model first has got to be that we have a passionate love for Jesus Christ, and that's what we got to help our kids grow into. That'll help prepare them uh, for the messages they're going to receive and the challenges that they get all over the place. All I'd add is celebrate with that kid if if they're telling you that their purity is being challenged. I mean, Second Timothy three says, in fact, everyone that wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So you can look at your son and go, you're being persecuted. Guess what that means? You're living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Let's go have a party or whatever, you know, whatever they like to do. Let's celebrate that together. I want to Not celebrate you. Not let's go out drinking, but let's right. have a party. <laughs> right. Not the Hooters. But, uh, and, and, then, and then also I'd encourage those kids, right? If you're not surrounded by people encouraging you in the locker room, you've got that here with mom and dad at home, and then they need to have a place that's not a locker room. Uh, and that's what's, what I love so much about what I get to do is at Watermark, we put these kids in these small groups, and hopefully they're with some other believers that when they're at church or when they're at small group or whatever, which they can't be all the time, and maybe even some of those kids are at their school, they've got some people around them that aren't persecuting them for their purity. And so I'd encourage them, steer them, find some people that aren't, uh, those people and lock arms with them. All right, here's a, another one, a, a little bit on the tougher side, but what do you communicate to your kids about masturbation? David? Well, <laughs> well, David. I don't have any kids, Ron, so... I, I, I love, the, I love this question. So. Chapman's two, so it's probably so progressive revelation. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me add a little bit to that, Okay. <laughs> First thing you need to understand is that uh, I don't believe the scripture uh, really has anything specific to say about that issue. Uh, the one passage that some pastors or theologians use to address it is uh, Genesis 39. It's the story about Tamar and Onan, and, and frankly, applying that to masturbation is simply taking that story out of context. It, it doesn't speak to that issue. So there's nothing specific, I don't believe, that's in scripture about that issue. However, 
What is the principle that scripture teaches about sexual love? And it is that it is to be self-giving, not self-serving or self-satisfying. Masturbation is by definition self-serving, not self-giving love. So in that regard, uh, it does not follow the principle of love that Scripture teaches. There's also another, uh, I think, very important issue, and that is that uh, when young men and now more young women begin to masturbate, first of all, it's not the unpardonable sin. I praise God for that. I don't know about anybody in the audience. Maybe I'm the only one. But I'm sure glad there's a lot of laughter. And I I heard some of the women laugh. That's good. That's good. But it's not the unpardonable sin. However, we do need to understand that when we experience any ultimate sex act, including masturbation, there's a chemical that's released in the brain. It's called epinephrine or dopamine. It is epinephrine is the same chemical that's released in the brain when we use cocaine. What is addictive about cocaine and what is addictive about masturbation is not the act itself. It is the chemical that's released in the brain. And it is addictive. And so we find a young man who's coming into puberty at 13, 14, 15 years old and he doesn't know what to do with this issue, and we don't discourage it. And he begins to masturbate on a regular basis. Let's say he just masturbates once a week. The average age of marriage for males in the United States today is 27. So he experiences this for 12 years. He's now had over 600 ultimate sexual experiences. He then goes and gets married. And ladies, you, if you're a virgin when you get married, or even the first time that you experience sexual intercourse, how wonderful is it? It's not. It's painful. It's hurtful. It certainly isn't wonderful. And so your husband expects that bells and whistles are going to go off, it's going to be the 4th of July, fireworks, because that's the experience that he's had for 12 years. And you are a disappointment. And that is a problem. Many men believe that either the use of pornography, which includes masturbation, any man tells you he's looking at pornography about masturbating, he's lying, or that masturbation or pornography is going to disappear as a problem when he gets married, is kidding themselves. This addictive habit is destructive. And it's destructive in marriage and any sexual relationship with members of the opposite sex. So it's not directly addressed in Scripture, but it's certainly indirectly addressed in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about purity and righteousness and that kind of thing. That's the message. And from a relationship point of view, it's destructive and it is addictive. And that's why we believe it's harmful and should definitely be discouraged among both young men and young women. When I have a, a high schooler or a junior high kid ask me about it and say, hey, is, is masturbation wrong? I have them look up and read to me two scriptures. 
One is from Matthew 5:28, when Jesus talks about if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he's committing adultery with her in his heart. And, and then the second one I have him read is Ephesians 5, 3, that says there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. And then I just turn the question back on them, and I go, do you think that is uh, a lustful act, or is that a hint of sexual immorality? Do you think that's God's plan for sex? And we, like you said at the beginning, you talk about God's plan for sex is giving. Uh, it's created for marriage, a man and a woman, uh, to represent the relationship of Christ and the church. And so you go, is that a part of God's plan? And I just turn it back on him. And I've never gotten the answer. Well, yeah, I think that is a part of God's plan. This is good. Uh, well, you might one day. Yeah, but... <laughs> you know, you might. And, uh, and so I just say it's hard to disconnect masturbation from lust. Um, and it's hard to disconnect it from sexual immorality. And so you make that connection in their hearts and their minds. It's just not God's plan for them. And then you, help, you offer them accountability and encouragement and filters and all the other things you can offer right. them to help them with it. Another question, what is today's teen's definition of virginity? Hmm. Well, I, I did refer to the, the segment in the Sex and Young America curriculum you developed, Confusion Surrounding Virginity, and it, it, was, it was really stunning to me, frankly, even though I'd been in the work for a long time, to see especially young ladies talking about things like oral sex, mutual masturbation, dry sex, believe it or not, even anal sex, and believing that none of that's sex. And the world is delivering messages that the only thing that counts is vaginal intercourse. And again, this this relates to the idea that I shared before. Your goal with your kids and grandkids is not to have them just abstain from sexual intercourse. It's purity. And that's different. And again, those passages that you related to, to the question of masturbation, relates to all those questions, all those issues. And so uh, we, need, we need to be talking to our kids openly and honestly about that question. Because the messages of the world uh, are that the only thing that counts is vaginal intercourse. And that doesn't honor Christ if they're behaving in the other ways. And believe me, the percentage of 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds that are engaging in oral sex today, absolutely stunning. Off the charts. So we've got to talk about that issue. What's the definition of purity and righteousness in following Christ? Yeah, I think a lot of parents, or some parents, might make the mistake of not bringing up all those things that you just listed. Yeah. And when you have a sex talk. And you've got to be aware that they're going to learn those things somewhere. From their friends, on the internet, you know, whatever. They're going to hear about all those different things. And if you don't define it for them, they're going to put it in their own category, which is, it's not sex. I'm still a virgin. Right. Yeah, the way I'd answer that question is kids that aren't trained properly think that losing your virginity is intercourse. That's it. End sure, story. Amen. Yeah. All right, the next question. How early do I start talking to my kids about purity? Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the four booklets that's in the set of booklets out there, what every parent needs to know, uh, is called address, it's, uh, Addressing the Sexualized Culture. Okay? And uh, it talks about age-appropriate discussion, beginning with your children, believe it or not, at two or three. One of the issues, when we talk to our kids uh, and we teach them that they're to be obedient and respectful to adults, if we're not careful with that, what are we setting them up for? Sexual abuse. 
you need to understand that 90% of the cases of sexual abuse in the United States comes from relatives or friends of the family. And so, if we're not careful with our children, we teach them to always respect and agree with adults. So Uncle Bill, who's a pedophile, is to be obeyed by your four-year-old? You're setting them up for a problem. So begin to talk to your kids very early on about their private parts. And their private parts are anything that's covered by a bathing suit. And they understand that at very early ages. Again, it is progressive revelation. But my answer to that question in somewhat a rhetorical way is this. And that is, if you're married, you and your spouse have to agree on what age is right. Then subtract three years and you're only a year late. And that, I mean, you need, you need to understand there were three research studies done in the United States on Internet pornography use uh, in 2009 by teenagers or by kids in the United States. One of those research studies concluded that the average age of first exposure to Internet porn in the country was 11. Another one was 8. And then Mark Laser, one of the experts in the world on this issue, did his own research study. He concluded it was five. So waiting until your child is 13 to have the sex talk, when you get them in the living room and you have that talk, your son or daughter is going to say, well, Dad, Mom, what would you like to know? And that's the truth. So start early. Progressive revelation, again, should be the principle. So Chapman. Yeah, I'm going to start tonight. (laughs) I don't have anything to add to that. Right. We've got time for one more. Um, it says, uh, what about par- parental controls, protective software, etc.? You, wanna... you, you already hit on some of them. Sure. Uh, I mean, if, if you don't get this, uh, his presentation, you're going to need to get a list of websites to look at. There's, you mentioned Covenant Eyes, there's Safe Eyes, there's uh, the Triple X Church has some stuff. It's yep. X3 Watch. There's Be Secure is one. There's the My Mobile Watchdog, the Mobile Spy. I mean, you got to get all that stuff. Um, it, it, you'd just be asking for it if you're not filtering and monitoring right. everything that's coming through any Internet-connected device that your kids have. And your, your kid is not immune to it. One thing you can't control, and, and this is, I'm glad that we just thought of this, you can't control what's filtered and monitored at other people's houses um, and on other kids' mobile devices. And so that's something that you've got to be um, very aware of and communicating with other kids' parents um, about what their standards are for their kids and then drawing some boundaries there, tough conversations and things like that. Let me just add very quickly, and that is the principle you mentioned it, filtering and monitoring. Filtering helps block certain content, and that's a good thing. Monitoring allows you to look at every website every instant message, every email that's been received by whatever device that system works on, and, and you really need to have both. They're, they're, they, go, they go hand in hand. They're absolutely critical. And where you were talking about, you don't know what your, the parents of your friends have installed. That's where you have to develop the, what we call the inner moral compass of loving Jesus and following Christ. Because no matter what steps you take, you cannot build the impregnable bubble for your kids. They, 
they are going to be exposed to these messages. The issue is, how do they respond to those messages? That's the critical perspective. And that's the development of the inner moral spiritual compass that says, I'm going to walk purely for Jesus no matter what opportunities I have to fall. That's the key. No temptation sees you, except that what's common to man. Right. And God's faithful. When you are tempted, He'll provide a way out. And so teaching your kids, we're your way out, or here's your way out. Here are your plans when you're different places. Make this call. Go to the other room, whatever it is. Right uh, teach them to take advantage of all their ways out. Yeah. It's all right. all right. How about a hand for our panelists? couple of things as we kind of close up. We're going to have you done right at 9 o'clock. First of all, I am so thankful that Braun Brown and David Penuel are loving on my kids. Okay? Every response they gave was sprinkled with Scripture, right? And that's what they're getting from our guys. And so you see um, stats all over the place that we're losing 80% of our kids that grow up in the Christian faith once they get to college. I'm telling you, not at Watermark. And I'm really excited about that. And so that we are starting to have an impact on the kids that are coming through here. A couple of other things. You need to know that Rick Schatz has met with all five of the CEOs and chairman of all five of the major phone companies okay, in our country and is battling for um, our kids' lives in all this mobile technology. So you could pray for them because they are doing some serious frontline battle at the very source of where this stuff is coming from. And so he's got relationships with all those guys, and they are doing some great stuff. If you want to get blown away by what has happened over the last few years in technology. I watched it today. Go to YouTube and type in, Did You Know 4.0? Okay, and it is about a five or six minute video on how technology is impacting, okay, our culture. And it will get you up to date really fast. I looked at that today. We're also going to have the Watermark Family Ministry blog. Okay, and so we are going to have the PowerPoint presentation on the, on there. Also, the um, the contract, the cell phone contract, will be on there, so you can get a look at that. Um, and we're also going to have this video streamed. Will be the first part of next week. So if you want to tell your friends that this is on there, you can get to that at any time. You can go back to look at look at it. That is going to be available uh, for you. Um, and then also, we did not get, there were a couple other questions that we did not get to. We will respond to those questions on the Watermark Family Ministry blog. So the answers to those questions will be on there. And we'll start to keep a list of kind of commonly asked questions on that blog so that you can go and take a look at some of those responses to that. And I just want, I want to close with one thing. You heard Scripture all night long. You heard Jesus Christ all night long. And we are not ashamed at Watermark that that is the foundation for how you lead your kids through this triple X culture. You have got to have... You, you have got to have a foundation and a guide to lead you through this. And if you're here tonight and you don't understand what that means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ like we've talked about, we would love to visit with you about that. Watermark is a safe place where you may be anti-God, you may be disinterested in God, but this is a safe place where you can ask the questions in a safe environment without in any way being condemned. And we would love to journey with you in that as, as 
answer, ask and answer any questions that you have. As we close, I'm going to pray for us, but as we close, we're going to have a bunch of the children's staff, student staff down front. If you've got specific questions that you didn't want to ask on the text, I'd love for you to come up and just visit with some stuff maybe that you're dealing with. We'll have folks down here uh, that can stay around and talk as much as we need to. So let me pray and we'll be finished. Father, thank you for the great privilege to be here tonight and just a ton of information that we have to process. But Lord, it was really clear that that you are the center. And Father, that you are our foundation. So would you help us as parents, me as a parent, to walk well with you, Father, as the number one step in leading our kids through this culture. Father, we can't do this on our own. We need your spirit to convict us, guide us, and encourage us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night.